Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Second Act Actors, the podcast that celebrates people who've made a major life and career change into acting. I'm your host, Janet McMorty, and I was originally and still am a medical doctor and decided to pursue acting. Okay, so apologies to everyone in the industry. I love you all, but there truly could only be one person to be the guest on my first episode. Madeline DeCorso is a business analyst turned actor and was my first friend I made in the industry. We chat about everything from resilience to societal pressures to Willem Dafoe. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Madeline. Hi, Janet. How are you? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. And I love chatting with you. So, Likewise. We chat a lot. We do. We uh, send each other a lot of voice notes. Um, I, send a lot of, I send you a lot of voice notes, actually. You have introduced me to the voice notes, for sure. I like it, because I like hearing your voice. It feels so much more personal than text message. But yes, we talk a lot. And we met on a film set doing background. We did. I was going to say, are we going to tell everyone how we met? Because it's pretty funny. Our origin story. <laughs> Our villain origin story. Why don't you tell it, Madeline? Sure. It was a November evening. Uh, <laughs> so we were working on the set of Nightmare Alley in Markham, Ontario. And the scene we were in, it was set in the 30s, I believe. And we were at a at a uh, at a fair, and you and I got paired together to ride the bumper cars. We got squished beside each other, and we got to ride actually working bumper cars. And the rest is history. It was the best. Do you remember how kind of stressful that was? You had all the work. You had to drive them. I just yes. sat there. <laughs> You had to sit, just sit and enjoy my awful driving. And then we ended up breaking the prop, the uh, the mesh. They fixed it, but we did break it. It's funny because people say, oh, you were in Nightmare Alley. I'm like, well, I wasn't really in. I guess I was. We were. We were these blurs in the background. But they're like, oh, did you get to talk to Guillermo del Toro? Like, it's a thing that people do all the time on film sets. I'm like, no, no. But he did tell us that the bumper cars had to go on action. So technically he did. I heard his voice, heard his voice coming from just the, the sky, and he was talking to us, so, you know. I was think I was telling you, I listened to a podcast with him when he was talking about Nightmare Alley. This was just recently. It was the WTF po- podcast with Mark Maron, which is so, such a great podcast. And it made me really nostalgic for when we were on set, those freezing, frigid, cold days. Because he, he being Guillermo del Toro, like I'm speaking to him like he's my buddy, he was so happy and just jolly. And here we are, like, freezing, middle of COVID, it's rainy, and ugh. He was just the happiest person. He was so nice. And he also took a moment to thank all of us after every day on set, thank the background actors, which doesn't happen all the time. And it seems like everyone, I mean, of course they respected him, but, like, it was very clear that the whole cast and crew respected him. That was an amazing experience. 
It really was. It was my first background experience, and it's hard to top that. How can you top that? We had full hair, makeup. They had an infinity money budget. It was just awesome. And I got to hang out with you and meet you. And we met, uh, and we both realized that we are second act actors. Yes. We discovered. Yes. So tell me your story. Tell me your origin story. What brought you to this crazy world of acting? I know. Okay. Um, I studied business at the University of Guelph. I studied leadership and organizational management, which essentially sets you up to work in human resources. I knew right away that I did not want to work in human resources, <laughs> but I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. But when you're in business school, there is this notion that if you get a job right after graduation and if it's in Toronto you've you know you've made it big basically <laughs> you've struck gold you did it uh, at least that's what I felt like and I was one of those lucky few who got a job right after graduating so I worked as a business analyst at the Bank of Montreal corporate offices the suits everything and I essentially was looking at Excel all day long. And Janet, I was not qualified for this job. I don't know how I got this job. I tried my best, but it just definitely didn't match my skill set as a person. And from there, I moved on to work at Unilever, which is a consumer packaged goods company. They own a lot of brands like Ben & Jerry's, Tresemme, Dove, as a supply chain analyst. Again, I was just looking at data and numbers all day long, and it was it was terrible. The people I met were amazing, met some great... I am happy for those experiences, but it was just not met for, meant for me. So that's what I was first doing. That's my, I guess, the first act, if you will. I was working in the tech numbers field. Were you creative at all growing up? My first gut reaction is to say no, <laughs> but I... I call bullshit. <laughs> I, I consider myself, I would say it was more like a try-to-do-everything type of kid. Any sport, any activity. I loved drama class, and I loved making videos with my brother at home, like uh, sketches and dressing up, and I actually still do that with my brother, so <laughs> that is something that is carried. But it's so interesting. I don't consider myself creative. Like, I don't think I have a creative mind. I think I just would love to work with people who are creative. And that's just how I view myself as not creative. I don't know if any other actors feel the same way. I think, again, I'm calling bullshit. I think, <laughs> I think you're way more creative than you think you are. <laughs> Just even from creeping on your social media oh. and seeing what you do, like you're saying, with your brother, the, th the scenes that you make up, you create your own content. And that in and of itself, it requires immense amounts of creativity. Thank you. What got you into acting? If you're not so creative. <laughs> Which you are. When I left the corporate world, I felt like I was starting from scratch. I had no clue where my life would lead me. I did some travel and, you know, I thought maybe I'd have this epiphany moment. Didn't happen. <laughs> I ended up working as a background actor 
just for fun, just because I, I honestly at this point had no interest in pursuing acting as a career, but I thought, you know, I'll try it. And when I, uh, the first set I was ever on was for The Boys. I love that TV show. Amazing show. And all I had to do was walk down the street in the rain. I was a pedestrian. That's it. And being on that set, I loved every second of it. I, I was like, I feel competent. I feel like I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I'm part of a team that is creating something, even as part of the background. Because, of course, background is meant to be background, but I still felt like I was part of the creation of the scene, which was a great feeling. And I didn't, re I didn't realize at the time how much that impacted me until later on. Because I did, I, I still had this mindset of like corporate, I needed to work in business, I needed to do something like that. So I had a few different jobs. And then COVID happened, the pandemic happened. And I was laid off, like many of us were, from my job. So I was at home. And as silly as this sounds, Janet, I just had this moment where I was watching uh, a TV show. I wish I could remember which show, but I was watching TV. And I think this was, yeah, right when everyone was feeling very uneasy about the pandemic, things where no one knew what was going on. I think Toronto had just got into its first lockdown. And I just remember thinking everyone is turning to entertainment right now more than usual for a release, for a release from reality. And I want to be part of that for people. I think I can be that for people. And then I thought back to my experience on the set of The Boys, and I just, it clicked when I was trying to figure out what to do next with my career. Where had I felt the most competent and the most happy at work? And it was on a set. So that's how I got into acting, was the, I, I would say the start of the pandemic was really what pushed me forward. Oh, that's awesome. Well, not that there's a pandemic, but <laughs> it's neat that you took something something that is not that's so simplistic something that's not good not great like getting laid off like I don't think there's anything worse right yeah so disheartening but then turning that into an opportunity and just a full 180 shift completely like I, I had never felt more sure of myself about anything which is very exciting to feel and it's what's been pushing me ever since. Um, because of course, with this profession, there's ups and downs, there's stagnant moments where you feel like you're just stuck. But f thinking back to working in a corporate office, working in a cubicle and looking at Excel, I could never do that again. So I think I made the right choice. Take me back. You were something triggered in my brain when you were chatting there about You ha had this mindset of must work in corporate, must must work mm -hmm. there. Where did that come from? That, I think, came from I probably a few sources. I would say university. Uh, it came from university. It didn't come. My family, I feel very grateful. They're very supportive of my decision to pursue acting, and they've always been supportive of whatever direction I go in. So it's not coming from family, but... In university, I was just surrounded by such like students who were excelling and students who knew exactly what area of business they wanted to work in. And it was inspiring. And I, I think it came from a sense of wanting to belong. I wanted to be part of that so bad. I loved being, I loved being part of a team. I loved being part of a community. And 
I was very involved in university. I was on um, student councils and a lot of a lot of councils, and I think it just came from that atmosphere that if you get a job in the corporate world, you will succeed, which is so crazy to me because there's so many different branches of business and there's so many different paths people can take that we just aren't aware of until we're out, until you're out in the real world. And I think we put ourselves under so much pressure that if we leave a job, we've failed. If we quit, if we've been laid off from a job, we've failed. I I have been laid off from a job and I did feel like I failed, but here I am. I think that's so well put. Where does that... Because there are people... Mm-hmm who I think if they had gotten laid off like you did, considered that a failure, like you said a lot of people do in your world and just the world in general, they wouldn't have had the resiliency to do the, f- to, to do the next thing, to find another thing. Especially something, again, I'm repeating myself, something as creative and very different from what you were doing before and probably what the expectations of you to do next. Where does that drive come from? Where is that resiliency from? Teach me. <laughs> I think that resiliency comes from, honestly, I was at my lowest points working in, in those corporate environments. I was rejected. I was made to feel less than. I was Let's just say uh, there were a few tears in the in the bathroom stall. I think we can all relate to that feeling. Oh, yeah. But I've always had this drive to succeed in whatever I'm doing, probably to a fault, because why was I putting myself through that? Because that's the other thing is we, we want to succeed, but what's to whose benefit at that point? Definitely wasn't benefiting me or my mental health at that point, so... I think the resiliency to kind of shift gears into acting came from, well, I've already had probably the lowest experience I can in, in that area of my life, in corporate world and in the corporate world. So I'm ready to be rejected. I, I always say this. I'm ready for the no's that might come with acting. I'm ready for them. I've experienced them and I'm, I know that I can handle it just because I went through, like, we're, we're going to fail. You're going to fail, and it's going to be terrible. I will say this, like, I, even a year ago, I still felt like I was dealing with the failures I, I experienced in the corporate world. It, it doesn't just go away either, of course. Like, that sticks with you, and, and it takes time uh, to understand how those failures affect you, I guess. And... I used to listen to podcasts and TED Talks from people who were insanely successful, right? That's, you know, to be inspirational, you would listen to podcasts from people who are incredible. But I felt like listening to them when I was in my lowest did not make me feel better because they were at their highest and they had already succeeded. And I was like, what about the people who failed and then didn't immediately succeed at something? Like they, they failed and then maybe they're just, now they're just, pushing forward, I guess is the right word. Like, that's probably what most of us experience. So we fail, and then we push forward. And we might not see success or growth even for a while. 
And then the and then we're also in the middle of a pandemic. Just to sprinkle that on top. I feel very passionately about the topic of failure. <laughs> I think it's really important and this is a th- something that one I don't think we get taught well in school mm-hmm. at all that failure is a part of life and it's going to happen regardless regardless of what job you're in regardless of what world you live in especially it's going to happen in acting right because you get rejected left right and center but I think I wonder about you were saying success in your corporate world was a checkbox that said Toronto job. Mhm. Ching. I got it. Check the box. When you flip into acting and there isn't really a checkbox, do you feel like you need to make checkboxes? Like are you that type of person who's like task completion, I must check a box. I must get agent. Check. But it's so vague within acting mm-hmm. that I think that can be for a type A logical personality if that's you. That could be frustrating and overwhelming. Are you that type of person who's like, "Here I will do the checkboxes in the acting." I feel as though I'm I I I have my type A days and then I have my complete op like complete opposite days. I I wouldn't say I'm one or the other. I did make a checkbox like a, a list, a, a to-do list or a goal list. Get an agent. Get headshots. You know, train all those little things that we have to do that are important um and i think this is where my experience in the corporate world did benefit me where i could kind of uh see my self as a project or see myself as yeah an assignment uh that just needed these tasks to be done to move forward so in that way i i guess i i can be kind of type a but when it comes to the actual craft of acting i am not type A. I, I would say I'm not very not very analytical about how I prepare for scenes. When you're doing scene work, mm-hmm. how do you flip your analytical brain off? What do you turn on? When I'm doing scene work, I try to connect myself right away. Who how am I related to this person? What are, what's similar about us. And I always speak in the first person, and I think that helps me a lot. So I think I flip off my analytical brain maybe too much sometimes because I just, I, I try to memorize my lines as so that they're fresh. I memorize them the day of, which actually I think has helped quite a bit with active listening with my scene partners. And so that, that helps me, stops me from overthinking. If I'm not worried about if I, if I do less prep work on the actual line memorization, I allow myself to just focus on the emotional side of things, the feeling and being present in, in the moment. So that's how I do scene work. Um, it's, you know, where do I live inside this character? And yeah, just trying to be as present as I can. My acting coach I have a few acting coaches Howard Fine and uh is my is my current acting coach and I try to follow his he does eight you know eight steps before you go into a scene and however you do those eight steps is really up to you but it's so for people who are type A it's great you have a structure 
to start yourself off with. But then when you then you can just apply those into scene work once you're comfortable with it without having to, okay, step one, step two, step three, step four, because it's just now ingrained into how you work. And then Lewis from LV Acting Studio is one of my other coaches, and I just love his his methodology. He's going to laugh. I don't think he probably has a specific methodology, like one methodology, but I really resonate with how he works, and I think you do too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a tough, uh, tough thing for me mm-hmm. to do because my brain is so logical to turn it off. But, oh, man... It's not like I'm saying I've ever been successful in fully turning it off, but when I have the ability to really be present in a moment in a scene, it's like this huge weight gets lifted off my shoulder. You feel that feeling of flow that artists always talk about. You're like, yes, this is it. I've been in a logical brain for, mm-hmm. how old am I? 36 years, and it needs a break. And this acting, this is this is the break it's, it needs it deserves (laughs) you deserve it and it's very exciting watching you work and seeing that happen because sometimes i can see your logical brain creep in (laughs) and you have to stop it so yes and i should say we do a lot of self-tapes together we are each other's readers very often and yeah i appreciate so much the feedback that you give because i think again we are very similar but also I think you approach things with such a, I don't know, such a force that just makes, it just makes sense. You are, and I'm saying that, it makes me, it makes you sound like you're very logical, which you are, but it's a, it makes sense. It's logical, but you also, you are creative. Sorry. (laughs) No, I don't believe you. (laughs) So you've been in this weird and wonderful acting world for two years? Two years, would you say? Almost. Oh, my gosh. When did the pandemic start? Because that is how I would... Yeah, I guess almost two years. Yeah. Has anything really shocked you or surprised you about this world that you're now in? This might sound cheesy. I have loved every moment of this journey that nothing has shocked me but what I will say something that I think is not talked about a lot or that the general public might not realize you know there's that old saying um or people always say you know acting it's all about hearing no but there are so many hurdles so many things to push through and overcome before you even have the opportunity to be said no to That's what I found surprising, I would say, is all those little steps, all those things that you have to do. And maybe this is very common knowledge. Like, of course, you have to do stuff to be able to get into the room. But just the amount of work and so it's it can be lonely work too. the amount of stuff that you do alone. I'm in my closet right now. The amount of time I've spent here alone in my closet is maybe shocking and yeah, I would say sometimes it can feel lonely because you have to do a lot of work on yourself, especially in Canada where we don't have managers typically. We have to do a lot of that branding, uh, a lot of that, you know, getting all your ducks in a row, all of those little things you have to set up to even approach agents. Okay, sh- now you have an agent. 
but are you getting auditions? There's so many steps before you actually get to hear no. That's what surprised me. I have loved every step of the way to get to audition, but I think that's the most surprising part that's not really spoken about a lot in the industry. Yeah, I don't think that's common knowledge at all because I think if it was, I don't think there'd be as many people trying to get into this career. And when people do get into it, I think there's a huge atrophy rate, right? They get in, mm-hmm. their eyes are open to exactly what you're saying, the hurdles that they have to overcome. And if people have never been through something like you've been through, where they've required immense amounts of resiliency and hustle and the ability to push through, it's disheartening. And then they go, this is too hard. I'm just going to leave. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I know I'm very grateful that I could make the, the, the leap because of course it's a big leap to make and if, if some people don't have the ability due to other you know dependencies that they can't make that um, change so I, I also realized that at the time in my life that I was just it was the right time to make that change mm-hmm. definitely I think also like feeling of gratitude is always is always good but also you worked your ass off to be able to do this. And I do recognize, of course, there's immense amounts of privilege in that statement. But mm-hmm. you did. You worked your ass off. You got. You were in a low place. But you worked your butt off to be able to personally, financially, emotionally be able to do this thing. When a lot of do people I don't thing. think would be... Yeah, I don't think people would be able to do that. So... Hmm. Thank you. Give yourself some grace, as they say. <laughs> Be proud of yourself. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, well, with that being said, my background is like falling on me. This is the thing. Nobody teaches you about this stuff. Now in a pandemic, we have to be cinematographers and all this stuff. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> but, do you have any advice for anyone who's at a low point or even not even at a low point but just saying hey I'd love to consider switching from what I'm doing now or simultaneously pursue acting yes I do have some advice if you're looking to get into acting I would try to do background acting it's there's several agencies in Toronto that do background acting anyone can sign up and once you get yourself so it's it's a pretty I would say barrier to entry is very low There's usually maybe a small fee to join, and off the top, you have to provide just information about yourself. But once you're in, and let's say you get uh, booked your first job, you will be able to see firsthand what it's like to be on a set. Yes, the world of background acting is different than being being a, a principal actor, let's say, but you still get to see that. You get to see how the crew works together you get to understand just the atmosphere the scheduling of things you get to learn what um you know different crew members do i think it's a great opportunity if you're like myself i did not take you know i didn't go to uh, acting school i didn't i don't have any formal training if you will so this is a great way to see what it actually is like for an actor on a set If anyone has any questions about how to become a background actor, please reach out to me. Another way, if background acting seems like too much of a commitment, 
to put put yourself in right now. Perhaps you still have a full-time corporate job and it just doesn't seem feasible. I would try to do an acting class or you know some acting studios do all of them basically are doing virtual acting classes right now and I would recommend uh, signing up for one or signing up for a workshop and that way you'll be able to even see if acting is something that you enjoy doing and maybe you'll get a scene to try so that would be my advice try background acting or try a workshop love it I would agree and I think Mm -hmm. Background acting has a bit of a bad rap, and I'd heard yes, I'd heard stupid things from other actors saying, "Oh, if you're on this show in the background, you're never going to be able to be cast in that show as a principal ever again," which is such garbage. Sorry, it no. makes no sense. And I think, given the fact, I just look back at the time we had on Nightmare Alley. And we just got a masterclass in what it was like to be on a film set, see these incredible actors do their thing. I mean, we stood and watched Toni Collette for, what, three days straight do her thing, but also everyone else, like you're saying, around the director, all the ADs, costumes, wardrobe, props, everybody. It's just a masterclass. And you get paid to do it. And they feed you. Yes, and you get fed, people. You get fed, and that yeah, that exa- exactly. That reminds me. One of like the most exciting things about Nightmare Alley, other than meeting you, was I remember I was maybe two feet away from Guillermo del Toro giving a direction to Bradley Cooper. They were chatting and they were discussing, and I just happened to be standing placed near them, and I was able to just absorb and listen obviously I just stood like a statue but it was amazing you know what an opportunity and how lucky I felt uh that day so I I highly recommend background acting to anyone interested in just seeing what it's like to be on a set all sets are different all experiences are different uh so you never know what's gonna going to happen but it does get a really uh, it's interesting. I've heard we yeah, we've both heard so many different opinions about background acting. It's crazy. I think another thing that I found really helpful is when like you and I don't have our theater people. We don't we didn't go to theater school. We didn't go to college for it. So we graduated into this career without a group without a community and of course an acting class can provide that does provide that but also I found background really does as well too right you and I met we're always readers for each other you meet really interesting people I mean you you meet some interesting people but for the most part the connections that you make with some people on these sets like even with the some of the ADs right you see them Mm -hmm. at other sets and I had the same hair hair person on three different sets and we've connected from there and it's building your community being a nice person and being genuinely interested in what this world is and yeah that's how you build your community you may have already answered the question 
because you were right beside Bradley Cooper and Guillermo del Toro. But I always like to ask everybody, do you have a crazy fun or memorable story from being on set or being in class? Oh, yes, I do have a, a really fun one from being on set. I have two. I'll keep them short. One does come from Nightmare Alley. So Willem Dafoe is in that movie. And uh, one day I was set uh, in front of Willem Dafoe. I got to watch him act. Again, what an incredible opportunity. And in between takes, he was so nice. And as you mentioned before, it was really cold. It was like a night shoot in November in Markham. And uh, Willem Dafoe had these huge mitts, uh, you know, to keep his hands hands warm during ta- in between takes and there I was my hands <laughs> I didn't have pockets so I was just trying to warm my hands up and you know minding my own business warming my hands up and he offered me his mitts and he told me to keep them for the whole night I did give them back to wardrobe I don't still have those mittens but it was so nice and so unexpected and so that was crazy I love that. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. So that is just beyond cool. He was, it was so incredible to watch how he worked too in between takes and how he stayed in care. It was, he would chat with us about his family and then he would, you know, go right back into doing a take and he would make the entire crew laugh. Like it was, he, that was incredible, uh, incredible experience. Thank you, Willem. If you're watching this, you kept my hands warm. My other great set story, this one sounds like a fever dream. I was on the set of Private Eyes, which is uh, a detective show with Jason Priestley and Cindy Sampson. And they needed background actors who could golf. And that is one of my one of my skills that I, I can golf. So I was very excited. It was a beautiful summer day. And the thing about background acting is you have no idea what you are going to be doing the day of. You don't even know when you walk on set, and it can change on a dime. So uh, I was originally just supposed to be in the background, and then the uh, one of the ADs asked, you know, can anyone actually golf here? And I was like, me? I can. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm in the scene. They go, what's your name, Madeline? You are in the scene. You are going to hit a golf ball, and then you're going to... And they gave me all this direction. They gave me a golf club. They gave me a glove. And it was really exciting. And I all of a sudden, I'm working with the camera people. I'm working with the, the director. And on set that day was, as I mentioned, Jason Priestley. But also, it was a pro-am episode. So Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors, I believe he was the coach... He was there. Scott McGilvery of HGTV. He was there. And then Mike Weir, who is a Canadian golfer. He won the Masters. He was there. All of them got to watch me golf. All I know. All of them, too. The way the scene was set up, they all got to watch me hit some golf balls. And it was magical. And I was so grateful that I got to do something that I'm comfortable with. I can, I, I'm comfortable with my golf swing. So I was like, okay. But of course, I was shaking like a leaf when I had to do it the first time. It was insane. And everyone on that set was so nice. And and what was great about that is when it aired on TV, you can see my golf. You can see me. You know, sometimes we do the, we do background work and you get completely cut out of the episode, which happens a lot. And so it was very exciting. I actually in the episode and when it aired, my parents and I had a little, you know, 
a little glass of champagne <laughs> to celebrate. And so that was, those are a few of my um, fun set stories, I would say. So speaking of your parents, what would they say you do for a living? <laughs> they, they tell people that I'm pursuing acting. They're very supportive. They are also, you know, realistic. You know, they, they definitely want to make sure I'm doing well. And, and my dad, he studied, he studied film and uh, worked in editing before we were born. So he's always had a love for the industry. And he, he doesn't work in the, he hasn't worked in the industry since we were born. But I feel lucky, like, I love that I have his support and that he, he gets very excited when I tell him about the sets. He wants to know what equipment they're using and, and all of that. And, and then my mom, again, I just feel very grateful to have supportive, a supportive family because I know that many people do not, especially when they make such a big career change. And my friends, too, have been, have been very supportive. Yeah, I, I feel very lucky to have the support system I do. That's great. So. It's really good to hear. Yeah, because I think it's, you're saying it's hard when you go from a career that society says is a career into a career that society says, no, that's just fun, play, passion project. You're like, no, this is a career that I want. So that's great, great to hear. I'm sure you've gotten, you know, the reactions from people. Uh, it's, it's interesting making that change when you're meeting new people and they ask you what you do and your brain kind of, you're like, well, and you just have to make the switch at some point where you say, I am an actor. You have to, you have to make that um, decision for yourself. Because when I first started off, I had, of course, major imposter syndrome. And I was like, well, you know, I'm pursuing acting. I'm, I'm looking into film and television. You know, I would waver. I could never give a confident answer. And um, it, it took some time, but I'm finally confident enough to say that I, I am an actor. And if you're auditioning or even, of course, creating your own content, you don't have to be auditioning, but you are an actor. Is there anything right now, doesn't have to be related to acting or your career in acting or anything like that, but just anything right now on this cold, snowy, blizzardy, awful day that's getting you excited, that's keeping the fire lit? This, this podcast is what's... (laughs) It's pushing me forward, Janet. You always are able to remind me. I mean, I think a lot of us are feeling low. We're in another lockdown. You know, things are bleak for some people. But talking and just being here with you has really lifted my spirits. I, I, I do a weekly class, as I mentioned, with my teacher, Howard. And you have to submit a self tape for that. And no matter how I'm feeling beforehand once I've done the self-tape I immediately feel even if it didn't go very you know if if it was a struggle I immediately feel better and I feel focused and I could have been like lying in bed all day not wanting to get up and not wanting to set up my ring light and not wanting all those little steps but once I do it I I remember why I love it and so I'm really grateful that I have something that focuses me like you have to submit this by x day every week I think if I didn't have that structure you know I'm not I'm gonna be honest there's some weeks where you feel like you're not doing anything because of and I think that's normal too with the pandemic but and I think that's normal with a job as a full-time actor right because it's such a hot cold industry so I think that's where having structure and 
sorry, having checkboxes is really, I think, important. Because it keeps you motivated. It keeps you pushing towards something. And for me, and I think for you, that's what we need. Because, sorry, there's a logical part to our brain, and that's beneficial, and it's going to stay there until we learn how to turn it off and become a character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we don't become a character. Right. Just. We are the character. Sorry, Lewis. <laughs> Shame, 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 shame. <laughs> he would say, Janet, I can see your logical brain working. Like, yeah. And you would too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think what else helps me is I, I don't know, sometimes I feel like not talking to anyone. Like, again, like, I feel like you go through those, like, days where you're just, you, you don't even want to text anyone. You just want to be in bed all day. But doing these self-tapes forces me to connect with one of my friends to be a reader for me even that connection of having someone on my screen for a half an hour to an hour is really important to me and I, I realized how much my community uh, like energizes me I think it's just I, I feel very grateful f for all of them including you Aww. like I'm so glad that we work together and then we also what's great is we can separate you know we do our work and then we can just chat and catch up and that FaceTime is so important. Yeah. So girl, oh, the feeling is so, you're welcome. And thank you. The feeling is so mutual. I think I love working on tapes with you because you have great constructive criticism. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. I think it's so key to find people who can do that, but then also switch it off and just be, be buddy social. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's rare. Mm -hmm. I think that's rare. So I feel like it's, we were fated to meet in those bumper cars. <laughs> Thank you to the AD who said you and you come with me. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's because we were so keen because they'd be like, okay, we need yeah. all you guys back down to set. And people would just be like, nah, 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 nah. and you and I were like, zing, zing, I love zing, going zing. to set. Take me there. <laughs> Get me out of this tent. Let's go do something fun. Yeah. Take me to set. I don't know what I'll be doing, but take me there. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> Is there anything you want to promote or anything like that? Or any final words of wisdom? I guess if, if anyone is watching this or listening and you need a reader or you want to work on scenes together, let me know. I love reading scenes with people so if anyone needs help if you're acting and you're stuck and you you can always reach out to me I will provide my contact information and then also if you are working in in the corporate world and you have an inkling that you might acting or even this industry might not even be acting but this industry is something you're interested in and you want to just talk about it with me let me know Thank you for tuning into our conversation and thank you, Madeline, for your time and telling your story. I love what you said about developing resilience as a tool in our acting careers. It is so essential when facing the many barriers and many moments of rejection that we actors are up against. 
On the next episode of Second Act Actors, I talk with a software manager turned actor about fighting logic, surrendering control, and wearing a loincloth. I hope you join us. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!